Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we are back at it. It's the final week of training camp and our last practice before the Eagles arrive from up north. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, cover the practice notes from a rainy Miami Gardens, and we'll finish up with player media from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Some roster news here on cut down day. The NFL teams across the league are required to get to 80 players at the 4 p.m. deadline. The Dolphins didn't waste any time early on Tuesday morning making their announcements as punter Stephen Hoffrichter, safety Sheldrick Redwine, and outside linebacker DeAndre Johnson were released on Tuesday where John Lovett, the fullback, and Mackenzie Alexander, the newcomer at cornerback, were placed on injured reserve and as the rules state, players placed on IR before the season begins must miss the entire season. There was some good injury news from head coach Mike McDaniel's Tuesday morning presser. He says that cornerback Nick Needham, after going straight to the locker room after his injury, is good to go. He's going to be back out there on the practice field on Tuesday. And Keon Crossan is day-to-day with his injury. So some really good news there among those two cornerbacks. We didn't get an update on Byron Jones, just that he is working diligently to get ready for that week one game. So we'll see what happens there. And then also, Coach spoke about some other stuff, some more fascinating things that I find about this entire month of the calendar, this exhibition season, is how teams approach these preseason games. And Coach, as we talk about on the podcast, our shorthand, CAWA, Coach's answer was awesome, gave us more gold here about the preseason approach, talking about the run game and their plan and approach for how to play these games. Again, like like I told you, I'm not... Um, I'm pretty well versed in preseason football um, and know I, I look at it more like, OK, what are we uh, going against? How are they playing and what should we do? You know, is, is it are things in the run game a product of um, three or four guys and how they're operating? Or is it one player on each play? Um, you know, the. Uh, more than anything, really, this preseason, we haven't got stuff going because it's been one or two guys off, which um, I'm more concerned about the players, whether they learn from that or not. Uh, joint practices generally have um, – you're, you're a little more comfortable uh, doing not the uh, 101 version of, of your run game, pass game, defense. So – uh, but I, I wouldn't see myself, you know, again, I, I'm, I look at a collection of things. Um, I, I want stuff to be better from that Raiders game and I want, I want us to run the ball well. Um, but at the same time, I think, um, our players are pretty confident that, uh, and, and the coaching staff I know is that we're, we're going to be fine moving forward. We just have to get better from stuff. That's what I'm concerned about. So. Um, I wouldn't – my philosophy is not going to change. That That's something that's par for the course in preseason. Sometimes, uh, depending on what the other team is trying to work on and do, 
um, and what they're concerned about. Sometimes you have awesome, you know, I think we've had, I've had 180 yard running games in seasons that you haven't finished high in rushing yards and vice versa. So um, it, it's just kind of par for the course. So we've been the beneficiaries of some pretty good expertise there from head coach Mike McDaniel, defensive coordinator Josh Boyer earlier in the week. I believe I spoke to Matt Applebaum as well about some of this stuff, but you get the idea. Like there are certain things you're trying to accomplish that don't involve the final score of the game or the result necessarily, but finding out what works on tape, how guys match up individually without help of the scheme. And that's where this next question goes towards about what are you trying to find out about these games? And Coach mentions directly, like, we don't want to put scheme in there to benefit guys. We want to find out how they play on their own without the help of the scheme. Talking about lots of man coverage on defense, here's Coach McDaniel. You also, you're also doing, on both sides of the ball, you are um, you're really trying to be basic for, the, for that sense because you want to see how they can perform without schematic help necessarily. Um, you're, you're, you know, offensively and defensively, you, you call games different because you are trying to, there's a portion of it that you're really trying to not just hold back the stuff that you're going to do in the regular season, but you're also pr- trying to put people in positions to prove themselves. You know, um, we had a ton of, um, man coverage, uh, in, in this game, in this past game, a ton of it for that reason so that we could evaluate people at all positions. Um, and you know, that that's a very important thing. Now we might show up at games and do the same thing, you know, who knows, but the, the purpose of doing it was just for the reason you're talking about, because we're trying to evaluate and see how people, um, can do the fundamentals and technique that we talk about at length each and every day. Mike, do you find it easier to evaluate and analyze players in those specific um, situations you could put them in and join practices um, as opposed to the, the game format of, of preseason? And, of course, with the Eagles coming to town tomorrow, Coach was asked about joint practices and how you balance the value of those reps in practice versus measuring whether or not guys should play in the game. Here's McDaniel. The joint practices are easier because you can – there's a, a large – not a large – there's a good majority that you can dictate the terms. You make sure you get a certain amount of plays. You can dictate how much run versus pass. Um, you know, th- those things um, are kind of controlled. You know, whereas in a game, you know, you, you, you can't control whether or not you have multiple possessions in, in, the, in the first quarter. Or, and you, can, you can't really determine whether or not, um, you know, people call games off of the momentum of it. So um, you end up adjusting to what's being called or trying to dictate the terms with what you call. So it's a lot easier there um, in, in joint practices, really. Um, that's, that is my favorite part of the preseason um, in general is when you do get those opportunities to practice against other people. And, in, you know, you're, you're really trying to – it's such a great opportunity for both sides of the ball to – defend um, against and to run your offense against different techniques, coverages, um, alignments, assignments, all that stuff uh, that, that is what you have to do to be successful in an NFL season is adjust. So the, it, 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 is, it is really fun. Um, it breaks stuff up. 
you know, we've been doing this. I feel like I've been meeting you guys in this room for um, a couple months now. Maybe it's been one. But training camp does, you know, the, it does get monotonous to guys. And so it's a great way to really break stuff up and um, make sure you, you keep that competitive nature um, uh, going through the process and um, before you start preparing for your week one opponent. We're going to play an answer here in just a minute about Alec Ingold, and Coach actually did give us some details about the fact that he expects Ingold to play in the game on Saturday after wearing a medical red jersey for much of the training camp uh, season here this month of August. But Coach was again asked about playing starter this week, and he gave you the same answer he's given you for the last three weeks about how we're not going to shortchange the process and we're going to let this thing play out before we make decisions on the actual game day decision. Uh, but he did get a follow-up question about how he would feel about this long layoff between now and the September 11th opener against the Patriots and not having starters play from this time in a game against live bullets until that game. And coach basically said, well, last year's world champions didn't play their quarterback one time in August. Yeah. I mean, I, in theory, in theory, I could go, uh, uh, I really like where we've developed on both sides of the ball. Um, in theory, you could, I think what you guys are seeing um, across the league is the a bunch of a uh, bunch of organizations and coaching staffs and head coaches trying to adjust to three preseason games because there there's way more variance in the protocol. Um, you could almost like uh, it was like clockwork when it was four preseason games, um, but it's not just that it's only three; it's that there's two weeks until the regular season begins. So those compounding variables make it kind of tricky. Um, I believe uh, the Super Bowl champions last year didn't play anybody the entire preseason. Uh, I, I know uh, Matthew Stafford didn't. So, um, But then, you know, philosophically, uh, it, it kind of gears everything towards my belief anyway, which is it is case by case, and I don't, I don't like absolutes. Um, I think there's a lot of people um, in that same boat because there, there's not an exact formula. The, the, you're trying to get guys to play together, um, and you want those opportunities. Well, some guys that's not as big a deal for because they're you know, vested veterans that have done it, um, you know, that have 100 games under their belt or whatever. Then... Um, you're you're also trying to weigh the the risk that that everyone undertakes every team every time they're on the football field. So it, it's a uh, it's really a maddening non perfect formula. But I you know I feel very um, uh, I, I'm happy and I, I I feel like I'm very lucky to be able to have that burden of decision on my plate. You know, so that's uh, that's something that I I don't take lightly. Trying to figure out the best formula um, for the final product, but um, it, to do that for me, I, I have to just let the process play out um, and ignore my feelings, uh, which I don't think you're that interested in. Because right now I'm hungry. Is that worth writing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I am hungry. Um, maybe I'll explore more feelings moving forward. Frankly, I think we would all be interested in more 
More opining about coaches' feelings. Up next, the question about Alec Ingold. Not just about Ingold's availability, but how the fullback position might be beneficial for the rest of the running game on offense. Coach breaks that down. And remember on the Monday podcast, we talked about the tight ends getting some run at that fullback position with Hunter Long, Durham Smythe, and Seathan Carter. Let's go ahead and talk about Alec Ingold first, and then we'll come back and talk about Hunter Long to finish this thing up. Oh, no, he's, uh, you know... The, the fullback position in general um, is is something that I believe does assist um, a lot of other players, not just his assignment, but how how offensive linemen are able to execute their their stuff. So I, I firmly believe in that. Um, you know, my I guess um, you know what I'm just I'm I'm feeling in a great mood. Um, my feeling is that uh, Alec will get some uh, get some time here Saturday. Um, for that very reason, boom, there we go. Um, but but it is it is a good uh, it it is a asset that not just you know that position in particular um, ultimately affects um, really all the positions um, with how to do their job uh, when you're schematically setting up a, a play. So that's that it will be it will be exciting to see him get some joint work without a red jersey, um, uh, which is, by the way, one of the more confusing things, fullbacks and red jerseys. But um, nothing we haven't been able to handle. It's just another obstacle we've had to climb this, this offseason. But, uh, yeah, the, I think, I think uh, it, will, it will be cool to have him out on the field this week, um, and, and hopefully everything goes well so that we can see a little bit of him on the game. And now a really cool story about second-year tight end Hunter Long. Oh, Hunter, Hunter Long had a very good week. Uh, of practice in particular he was he he started off really really good um in OTAs and then I think if you even asked him himself you know there was there was a little there was a little bit of time where he just kind of was out there and he wasn't making that many plays in the run and pass game um and specifically uh his position coach John Embry um you know had a had a heart to heart with him about a week ago uh just because you know, just checking on him, and he really turned it up. So those are the things that I really, really look for um, as a coach uh, when you're when you're when you're looking at players is how do they handle um, any sort of adversity. So that that being a light adversity, he he had his best week of practice last week, and I thought he played very, very good in the game. Um, one of the reasons that you call in the red zone. Um, you, you go for it on fourth and seven um, is not because that's your philosophy in the preseason or just your philosophy in football. Um, I, I was excited for a fourth and seven play to be called because I wanted to see what players would do what, um, you know, in a big moment. All right, it's fourth and seven. Do they all of a sudden make stuff up and go rogue? Or do you see their best um, version of whatever route they're running um, on the field? And, Hunter was in on that play, and he ran one of my favorite um, uh, routes on the concept we ran that he's ever run. That told me a lot. That was cool to see. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he's – I'm excited for him in the joint practices to build upon um, his – specifically his last week of work, which I thought was outstanding. 
and go back and check out that route by Hunter Long. Very good job sticking his foot in the ground, a little whip route, and creating some separation that way on a very, very well-run route there, as Coach mentioned. So there you go, head coach Mike McDaniel. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back here and get to the practice notes, and we'll preview some top matchups for Dolphins and Eagles this week here live from the Baptist Health Training Complex. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. A practice broke out on Tuesday, and it wasn't a whole bunch of work, a bit of an abbreviated period for us to get eyes on this football team one last time before they take on the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow and Thursday before the game on Saturday. And then it's full go into the season from there. The notes as a result going to be a little bit shorter, but also taking a look at the Eagles matchups coming to town tomorrow. It started today with three splash plays. Tua to Ingold, Tua to Tyreek, and Tua to Mike. Alec Ingold caught a ball along the sidelines, heading vertical, and according to him, a little bit of toe drag swag on that, he pulls that thing down and gets the feet down in bounds. And the other two were against the Blitz, and I loved the poise we saw from Tua and his approach to get the ball out early and where it needed to be with plenty of arc to allow the receivers time to find it, go get it, and adjust to it. And first with Tyreek, actually, you know what, let's go, let's go ahead and go back here a little bit. I just love watching the receivers work through the individual drills, and when they go inside for a little bit, they're closer to us. So I get a chance to keep a closer eye on those guys. You know, when we're outside, the defense is nearest us, offense on the far field, that gets flipped when we go inside, but the line of scrimmage release packages, that portion of their drills is appointment viewing for a football dork. And if you know this podcast by now, that is me, especially with 10 and 17 Tyreek and, and, and Jalen Waddle. I mean, Wes has that unit, Wes Welker bouncing around running from drill to drill. And in fact, when they went from indoors to outside, I saw Wes kind of doing that hop skip and throwing his arms up to pump up the crowd that wasn't there, by the way, like he was coming out of the tunnel back in uniform, you just don't manufacture that kind of passion. I think it rubs off on the rest of the room and the way they work. Now back to practice, Tyreek deploys that same release game that we saw in the individual portion during the team portion on a play from the plus 40-yard line, 40-yard line going in. And Tua has a shotgun snap and lofts this thing downfield immediately. There's a video of it on social. Go check it out. And when he threw the thing, Tyreek is barely 10 yards out of his break. Like, he's at the 30-yard line, but there was enough air under it down to the goal line so that Tyreek could run under it for a score. And actually re-watching it, I think he got tackled at the one, but who cares? It's same idea. Later, 
on another blitz, and I think this is a good example of Tua showing post-snap application of pre-snap acumen, the rush had more guys than the protection had to account for. I mean, that's blitzing one-on-one, right? Create free runners. We've seen this defense cripple opposing offensive attacks for 60 minutes with that approach. On this one, Tua fades back just enough to buy an extra tick and lobs that thing down the field. This time, it's Mike Gesicki who gets free. He has a catch and has to contend with a defensive back for run after the catch. I didn't see the number, but I'm about 90% sure we have a 60-yard touchdown on that play. So three big splash plays in this short period. Just really good work from Tua, showing the same stuff we saw Saturday with processing, getting through your reads based upon your pre-snap, snapshot, and post-snap rotation. And rather than exploiting checkdowns in this practice, you're hitting home runs with long touchdowns. That's why you love to see that first part, because you can apply it to more explosive plays that you will naturally create by getting the football out, moving the chains, and giving yourself more reps. If they're going to give you that, keep going after it. Eventually, they won't give it to you, and that opens up opportunities downfield. Playing quarterback isn't just about the four or five downfield throws a game. It's every single snap playing with an attention to detail and the precision to put yourself in position that when those big opportunities arise, you can capitalize on them. That and the fact that I think Tua has demonstrated an ability to help raise the floor a little bit and eliminate some of the more costly plays, the sacks and the turnovers, as a result of this quick processing, I think those two things could add up to go a long, long way for Tua and this Dolphins team this year. Teddy Bridgewater had some good work today. There was one ball I think he'd like to have back on a deep shot to Braylon Sanders, who got free and stacked the defensive back. Ball was just underthrown, but he was in rhythm on time and threw it accurately today. There was some tough sledding for the running backs, just not a lot of room to operate with. Chase Edmonds had a nice run to the second level with his patented one cut, get north and south and explode type of move. And then Miles Gaskin bounced one run outside where I thought he looked really quick out of that break. But it was a lot of stacking up and penetration for the front on the defensive side. Just some last notes here on the offense. I thought Mike Gesicki had a really good day. I thought Hunter Long had himself a really nice day getting in and out of breaks, but also holding his own in some pass pro slash run block looks. I want to take talk more about Hunter Long down the road this week. He's an interesting topic here, I think, on the podcast. We'll come to that, uh, I think, probably tomorrow. Braylon Sanders had some big plays. River Craycraft caught a couple of passes, including a 20, 25-yard touchdown pass from Teddy where he got all alone in the back of the end zone. And as for the guys up front that made those stops in the running game, Wilkins had one. John Jenkins got good push for much of the day. Zach Sealer had one that I saw. Raquan Davis had a couple of pileups. Andrew Van Ginkle crashed that edge for a couple of plays. And then Jerome Baker fit the run really nicely today. He had one play where he was pretty much, it was him or nobody, to make a stop on Chase Edmonds for a potential long touchdown run. And he scrapes off of this block and squares up Chase and meets him in the gap and tags him off. So good stuff from the linebackers. And speaking of good linebacker play, Melvin Ingram was a bit of a bull today, man. He sets one of the hardest edges I've seen out here. He is getting the job done consistently. And then Channing Tindall also had a big stick or a would-be stick in the running game. He continues to look good. I continue to be very impressed by his game. I would take that word of of mine. Uh, Jalen Phillips really showed his stuff with a pair of would-be sacks in this practice. The first one was an awesome bull rush where he did something similar to what Tyreek Hill did that I mentioned earlier, where he put the application of individual work into the team period. He gets initial contact and and sends that punch across the offensive tackle's chest and then spun back inside to get to the quarterback. 
He worked on that move continuously with Tyrone McKenzie in the pre-practice portion. And then he's later in the practice, he wins with a speed rush around the edge. He's just one of those guys that I think in a practice, you maybe can't fully appreciate it or in a preseason game where he has, you know, seven or eight snaps. But when he gets 40 snaps and he can incorporate that rush arsenal and put together a plan for, I'm going to do this move three times, then the fourth time I'm going to counter off of that. Keep an eye on that this year as we get into more games and more snaps for Phillips. I think that he can really show you his stuff in that arena. And I don't really have any notes on the defensive backs, but I did like watching them after practice get some extra work. Xavier Howard, one of the main ones I saw working on their press and mirror technique, him and Nick Needham were out there. I just can't wait to watch those guys compete against the Eagles tomorrow with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. And speaking of that, well, actually, hang on real quick, real quick. Let's give some punter love. Thomas Morstead hit about 20 punts today from his own 40, 35, and 30-yard line, aiming for the coffin corner, but also checking some balls up on the hash marks like a good golf approach shot. And I was blown away by the way he did it because he hit every single one of them down around the five-yard line. Just like, it, it was like watching, you know, I don't really know golf. Is Rory McIlroy good? Like just putting 160-yard approach shots right next to the pin. It was fun to watch. So Eagles this week. I wanted to talk about a couple of matchups I'm looking forward to as we get into the one-on-ones, but also the team portion of practice. I'm also very excited to have my perch up top to watch these practices opposed to being on the field uh, up in Tampa Bay. Some things I'm excited to see, and I think traits that will provide a good test for our guys. Look, the whole thing's a good test, but there are some personal... Uh, my personal marquee matchups here, Jordan Davis in the middle, just the pure strength that he offers, how we move him and anchor him against pass rush as a pass rusher. Really curious to see that. Hassan Reddick for a guy outside, his ability to convert speed to power and the secondary moves, kind of like we talked with Jalen Phillips, I think are a good test with what we've been really impressed with all camp, how our guys keep their feet moving and redirect those rush moves. Excited to see Darius Slay and James Bradbury, two of the best mirror coverage cornerbacks in the league. I talked about the receivers working on their releases in the start of the notes here. Here's a really good test for you. N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker. I have no idea how he fell to the third round. He's having a great training camp and preseason. I'm just excited to see how we can work off of blocks on him in the second level of the running game. And then the other side of the ball, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Do you really need an explanation here? One of them is the smoothest, most detailed route runners to ever come out for my money. And the other is a physical technician. Good blend between those guys to give us different body types and different looks. And then Dallas Goddard is a good matchup for our safeties and linebackers. Just any good tight end is good for that. And he's definitely one of those guys. So those are a few I'm looking at. Uh, I would I would put Jalen Hurts in there, but it's difficult with a quarterback that you can't you know hit, especially a running quarterback. So I'll keep him off the list here. But good work coming your way here against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go ahead and take our last break, and then we'll go ahead and get right into player media availability. I've got Alec Ingold, Cater Kahoo, Melvin Ingram, and Zach Sealer. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so, I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We had fullback Alec Ingold at the podium today after practice, and he is a fun interview, a great guy to talk to. Let's go ahead and start his media off about how do you feel about getting out there for a game? We heard Mike McDaniel say that you're going to see Alec Ingold on Saturday in the game against the Eagles, and he has not played since the ACL injury last season. The red jersey is off. He's practicing full go, had the big catch today. Fun to talk to. So how are you feeling about your first time back on a game day football field, Alec? Here you go. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It's um, I love playing football. Uh, you, as a football player, you love playing football, and I spent way too long in film rooms and practice fields. Like it's time to it's time to go strap up with these guys. So I'm really excited. Earlier, we heard Coach McDaniel talk about the value of the fullback and Alec Ingold, and how not only they can just help the offense from their own position, but how it helps the rest of the guys. Let's go ahead and get Alec Ingold's take on the running game here in Miami. I mean, I think it's all about the details, and I think we got a lot of guys that are detail-oriented, a lot of talent, a lot of character, so it's just staying on schedule. It's staying on uh, all these installs and, and not taking anything lightly. So every detail, every play we have on practice field, you, you have to have all of the intent in the world to make it be- better, make it go, and then we'll, you know, it's time to translate onto the game field. It's really exciting. And continued regarding that McDaniel quote. Linemen, they line up, they're in the trenches, right? You're nose to nose, face to face, face mask to face mask, and they got those cages on, right? So they're seeing things quick. As a fullback, I got five yards to be able to read things, be able to see the defense. I have one of the best seats in the house. So anytime there's any late stems, any late rotation in the backfield, we can pick that up and we can adjust. So uh, I think that's, you know, everyone's going to take responsibility for it. But as a fullback, you definitely want to help the guys in front of you and then the guy behind you too. I am really excited to watch Alex strap it up and play a game because I think that his impact is going to be much more much greater than I think that a lot of folks realize when it comes to this running game and really getting it taken off. We had, I mean, tight ends play in that position all all game on Saturday. Alec is definitely, you know, a more natural fullback that can play that position pretty well. So uh, next we heard from Cater Kahoo, the undrafted rookie out of Texas A&M Commerce, had a big, big game on Saturday, .15 yards per coverage snap, four yards on 20, oh man, my math getting tested here, 27 coverage snaps, I think it was, and three run stops on 14 rundowns. Really interesting kid, and we talked to him about the fact that Josh Boyer has such a good history of developing undrafted rookies. How important was it for you to come here knowing that Josh Boyer was a guy that you that liked you? And the question was, we know he called you about uh, you know, the UDFA process. Here's Cater on his relationship with Josh Boyer and him recruiting him to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I try to make it – I know when you get recruited to college, you want to – you want to go to like a good coach, a guy that you have a relationship with. When I had, when I talked with Josh, he, he seemed like he was just uh, upfront and like real, real, real to everything he was saying. And I, I just, I read that the Zoom call, so yeah, that was like a big deal for me. First chance seeing Cater up close like that, and man, he is rocked up. That dude is kind of has that like Tyreek muscle composition where he's just not only is he super fast that you see out there, but every muscle in his in his body pops. And that certainly looks the part getting off the bus. I didn't know this about him either. He came here from the Ivory Coast as a kid and didn't speak English. His first language language was French. And uh, let's go ahead and hear him tell the story about how he got to the States. And this first part of this answer, I, w- I have about a million questions, but I don't know how to ask them. Let's go ahead and go to Cater. Short story, my dad just won the lottery and we moved over here. Uh, he just wanted a better opportunity for his kids. So 
we moved out here and it, it was a, it, that was probably a way harder transition. Not speaking English, uh, not knowing anything about football, but I kind of use sports uh, to make friends and stuff like that. So from then on, it just things kind of just started stacking on top of each other. So learning the language was the biggest uh, was the biggest barrier though. So after I learned the language, everything started going along pretty smoothly. Really cool story there from Cato. Let's go ahead and go next to Zach Sealer, another guy that kind of came from nowhere off the radar and uh, has made a big career for himself here at the Miami Dolphins. He was asked about how it feels to watch his teammates make plays in that preseason game when you're done, your night is done, you're off the field. And I wanted to play it because it goes along with this message about how this team loves playing for each other. Here's Zach Sealer on the rest of the guys' performance on Saturday. It's awesome. We're excited for everybody. We want to see everyone succeed here. Um, so it's it's a great feeling seeing those guys take the technique they've learned the last few months and kind of apply it and use it in games and be successful with it. One more here for Zach. He was asked about what stands out in Connor Williams' game, something we've been talking about all offseason. So I want to let Zach go ahead and tell you how he feels. Uh, he's very smart. Um, he's uh, very smart. He knows his, he knows what to do. Um, he's uh, savvy, and he's just, he just works. Short and sweet there, just like it's going to be here with this guy. Melvin Ingram was asked about Facing the Eagles in practice, how do you feel the team is going to perform against the Eagles? Here's Melvin Ingram. We're going to come out and step up to the challenge. That's what we're going to do. We're going to always do that no matter where we're at. We're going to come out and do it. We're going to play football. It's going to be another day. Another day at the office, baby. Put that hard hat on and go work. Last one here for Melvin and the day asked about Coach McDaniel's thoughts this morning about joint practices versus games. Here's Melvin Ingram and how he feels, 11-year vet, about just that. Yeah, you get a chance. You get a chance to go against another opponent, and it's in a practice-style like environment where you can do move the ball, run, and you can you can kind of control everything. So it's definitely always good to do do things like that. The preseason is always good, too. You get to go out and full tackle and see players do their thing. But it's, it's always a good thing to, be a, go, to go out and have joint practice. And there you have it. Short and sweet today, but we got plenty of content in there for you. We'll come back tomorrow and do it all over again with the Philadelphia Eagles in town. Don't forget the notebooks up on MiamiDolphins.com as well, so check that out. Some videos on social, all that fun stuff for you. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast and our weekly Twitter Spaces show Wednesdays at 8 o'clock and the postgame show after every Miami Dolphins game on 560 WQAM and 99 Kiss Country down here in South Florida out of town on the Odyssey app. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming.